0: Nobody knows.
1: 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, there goes Davis, oh my Davis is going to run it all the way back, Auburn's going to win the football game, Auburn's
2: going to win the football game. Man, like money. Man, like... This is Moneyline, welcome, thank you for making us a part of your weekend, I am your host CJ Sweat, I am joined by my co-host Ben King, Ben how are you?
1: CJ I'm good man. Hey, uh, last week was good, 80% overall. We disagreed on two games and we split those, so uh, made some money.
2: Love it. Yes, we did. We both went four and one. I got my record back up this year. I'm almost back at 500. So eight and ten on the year. Ben still killing it. If you were betting on Ben, it, Ben's predictions, you were making some money. He is 12 and six, so he's doing very well. We are joined today uh, with a guest. We have Ben Moore from the 24/7 Network. Ben covers Georgia State Athletics. He does a great job. We have a Georgia State game today on our docket which is why we brought him on you can follow him at ben moore 247 you can also check him out at 247 sports.com slash georgia state ben thank you for being on today how are you
0: yeah i'm great man thanks for having me absolutely
2: yeah, we're we're excited to have you on. And, you know, one of the things that I thought would be unique about bringing you on today is Georgia State had that, you know, big headline over the weekend about their game with Charlotte getting canceled um, last week because of the positive COVID test. And then earlier in the week, we find out that that was really done in error. So can you kind of give us an idea of what the feeling is like right now with the team and the coaches and the players? What's running through everybody's minds? with
0: that oh they're they're frustrated i did talk to some people close to the program uh once the news kind of broke that the game was gone uh friday and just to kind of let you set the scene uh the team was basically ready to board the buses uh about 20 minutes before a lot of the equipment and things like that were getting loaded up to the buses to travel to their game against charlotte And everyone said, whoa, 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 let's hold on. Uh, We have four positive tests and contact tracing and and all the things that, um, you know, go into that. Uh, Of course, you know, Charlotte is not in the Sun Belt, so you have, you know, different conferences and different uh, protocols and things like that for teams to follow, Uh, but out of you know, abundance of caution because they knew, uh, and Coach Elliott even said in the media call on Monday that it was basically the entire linebacker group could have been, if you, if you looked at the positives in the contact tracing and quarantine and this and that and the other, it was going to wipe out an intent, essentially an entire position group. So, it would change it dramatically. Then the news comes out that it was. Uh, you know, I, I kind of got whispers on Saturday that, hey, that they may have been false positive. And I go, well, how does that work? You know, how, how does <laughs> and I truly don't even know? Like, I'm I'm not a lab technician. I'm not a not a doctor or or somebody that way. And they said, well, it, it just looks like it was it was read wrong and human error. And I go, well, OK, here's the question. Can can you play on Sunday? Can you call them up and play on Monday? How does that work? So um, the game is, is currently postponed. But I can tell you from talking to people who cover the Charlotte program, they were going to be without 26 players in that game. Oh due to injury, goodness. COVID, so Georgia State, knowing that information, is extremely frustrated. Uh, talked to some folks, basically from the offensive side of things, especially putting up a big number uh, in their in their first uh, home game against number nineteen Louisiana at home. They really felt like they they had a great week of practice, and um, not knowing those tests were positive early in the week, but late in the week. Um, you know they were prepared to go and, and, and hopefully get their first uh, you know win of the season and, and get some things started before you know playing East Carolina at home uh, this week. So extremely frustrating. Um, but the you know 2020 has been extremely frustrating for Coach Elliott. I mean they had six days of spring practice, um, you know, and then basically uh, you had to you know close up shop and send their kids you know kind of out into the wind as the next week was spring break. And most people around the program, mm-hmm. you know, they'll tell you, back in March, you know, as as a lot of people did thought this was going to be a two or three week hiatus and the guys would come back for summer workouts and um everything has just been you know off kilter but um you know e- even going back to freshman quarterback michele calisardo uh, who made national news by you know t- you know testing positive for covid three weeks later getting you know the the potential test and and, and reading hey he may have myocarditis and everyone had their opinion on that uh, from from everywhere else and then uh just a short few short weeks later he comes back and says Okay, it wasn't myocarditis. he just something to keep on monitoring. he's cleared to play. Oh by the way, this weekend speaking of East Carolina, he's the backup quarterback so he'll be playing this week uh, potentially if, if the starter goes down. So it's just been a wild wild uh, you know season. Uh, it feels like basically this this uh, 2020 has been about 18 years but uh, you know they're, they're going be playing they're going be playing a home game in front of fans um, this Saturday against a, a talented program in East Carolina.
2: Well, and, and tell me this, Ben. So you talk about last week of practice. You know, they're coming off the loss against Louisiana. And I, I mean, I watched that game, and I thought, you know what? Like, this isn't just Louisiana, you know, accidentally playing a close game. This isn't a fluke. Like, Georgia State went into Louisiana and pushed them around for three hours. They physically went toe-to-toe with them, which I was impressed with. So what has been practice? What, what has practice been like this week coming off of not having the game against Charlotte? Are the kids frustrated? Are they distracted? Or are they more focused? Yeah, I think
0: more focus. I mean, there definitely is a is a sense of urgency here. Um, you know, Georgia State lost two games uh, from, you know, basically from their FCS home opener against Murray State. Uh, you know, with Murray State, and the vast majority of FCS conferences basically punting on the season altogether, moving it to, to spring. So they lost their home opener there. Of course, the SEC uh, closed up shop to just conference only opponents. So Georgia State lost the payday game uh, and, and quite candidly, uh, pretty much guaranteed loss uh in week two as well so week three comes and you have louisiana and you get off to that start and and i will tell you i talked to you know talked to coach elliott uh right after that game and the in the press conference and other other um you know other comments later on uh they were ready to get back on the field because you know you you lose a game in overtime at home you really think you should win you want to get out there and play and i think even more now um they're ready for ecu this weekend and, and certainly looking forward to Um, you know everyone being um, you know being healthy and they get some guys back in the game as well that you know have been injured and also uh, a transfer from the University of South Carolina uh, Jameis Williams uh, who had a chance to talk to early part of the week Uh, he he is now eligible uh, gotten given the green light from the NCAA after transferring from South Carolina so um, they definitely have some reinforcements coming in for for this week's game so uh, all in all they're just ready to play and ready to get a home game uh, in.
2: Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Ben Moore from 24-7 is joining us today. We're going to kick off our five games here in just a second. We will be previewing East Carolina and Georgia State coming up here in just a little bit. I'm excited to get to that game. That is our mid-major game of the week. Um, we are going to start things off, though, with a bang. Our first game of the week, Texas A&M versus Alabama. The line here is the Crimson Tide minus 17, which is a big line considering they didn't cover last week against missouri and are over under for this one 51 and points so ben king kellen mine texas a&m they're gonna play your favorite coach ever nick saban um how do you see this game going down
1: yes yeah, so i mean last week was an interesting week right first week of the season uh after no spring practices and or minimal in in some cases and uh, a limited fall practice and then push back in the season. It's just kind of weird. it was it was a little weird in the SEC, uh, especially when it came to both Texas A and m and Alabama. I think Alabama in the first half of their game against Missouri. Definitely took care of business. Uh, Mac Jones came out and looked exactly as good as he did last year. 75%, 249 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, ran for four yards. That was really, really solid on his part. And then he came out in the second half and let Bryce Young kind of run around and play and and make some mistakes. He is uh, a young guy, so that's fine. Um, Look, Jalen Waddle looked incredible. Uh, Their running game is incredible with Najee Harris. Uh, He had three touchdowns, 98 yards. Waddle had 168 yards, two touchdowns, or uh, 134, 16.8 yards per carry because he had some bombs. Um, so when you're looking at Alabama and the way they played, the reason they didn't cover is because of the second half and letting Bryce Young get some of that time. So when they actually play a talented team, granted, Missouri's probably not uh, in the top half of the SEC, by far in the bottom half. Um Alabama really didn't care. They had that game put away, thirty-five to nothing. And hey, it uh, or thirty-five to seven. And it looks like Nick Saban has learned a lesson from last year when he let Tua remain in the game and get injured. He took Mac Jones out and said, "Hey, we don't need you for the remainder of this. Let's let the new guy get some time." So that's why they didn't cover last week. I think Alabama is still going to come in and take care of business. But let's look at the Texas A&M side, man. That was that was interesting because they played Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is hot garbage,
2: <laughs> and Well, it's worth noting, not not to interrupt you, Ben, but it's worth noting that Missouri may not be in the top half of the SEC, but they aren't a bad team either. They are a talented team. Vanderbilt, I think they're worse than, I think they may be worse than Arkansas. I think Vanderbilt's probably the worst team in the SEC far and away. So, like, when we talk about mediocre SEC programs, Vanderbilt, I think, is just on a different level than Missouri. 100%
1: agree. And Jimbo Fisher's team that returned 17 starters, eight on offense, nine on defense, with Kellen Mond, who thinks he's God on earth, uh, (laughs) scored 17 points against Vanderbilt and let them score 12 points and 255 yards of offense against them. So, uh, look, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I thought Texas A&M was going to be much higher within the SEC, and they just did not come out. Jimbo Fisher said it was his fault. He said he's going to get the team ready for Alabama. Uh, how ready can you get for that offensive attack? I don't know. Alabama's defense is back as well. Uh, look, it's the 17-point line, and that was tough for me to look at. But when I compare the two teams, I'm swallowing the points, man. Alabama's taking it. They're winning. I'm thinking it's going to be 42-10. to
2: they cover 40,
1: and – 42 so, so to
2: 10, and you're going
1: to take the to over. Uh, so what's the over under right now? I had a, 50 51 and a half
2: So you're you're okay. right at it.
1: Yep, so I'd take the over because if Texas A&M somehow figures out how to score more than 17, which I don't know if they even will, it will definitely go over.
2: You know, the, the interesting thing I think about – Alabama's game with Missouri last week is they actually had the spread covered until Missouri scored on the last play of the game <laughs> they scored a touchdown yep. um, which was absolutely mind boggling to me um, Ben Moore uh, you're you're down in SEC country in Atlanta um, I know you cover Georgia State but give me your take on this Texas A&M Alabama game
0: yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it still comes up with the question is it, what Nick Saban assistant is going to actually knock him off. And, uh, it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been. Uh, well documented that he just doesn't lose to his former assistants. And, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher tried to knock him off down there at Florida State, uh, has his opportunity now here in the SEC West. Um, what, what's always interesting, and you, and you kind of touched on it, um, about getting up to a comfortable margin. That's kind of the Nick Saban way is once you feel like, hey, I've got this under control, I'm going to throw into cruise control and, you know, run dive left, dive right, uh, and hand the ball off and not really put the ball in the air. But, um, it's going to be interesting, you know, as, as you guys have, you know, hit on. them I and Kellen Mond, you know, and Jimbo Fisher, for that matter. I mean, these are these names have been synonymous for several years now, and everyone around college football is looking around saying, "All right, if Jimbo is such the quarterback whisper, when's it going to click in the you know toughest conference in America?" Um, as we as we certainly saw, you know, around the country, Mike Leach and his impact, and KJ Costello going absolutely bonkers yeah, last yeah. week in the LSU. So you just look at it and you go, "All right, well, if that kid can do that." to an LSU team, granted, without a million starters, um, you know, (laughs) what can Kellen Mond do against Alabama? Because, you know, we know certainly in in Nick Saban's history that early part of the year is the time where his defense, especially in the secondary, can kind of struggle because he's going to bring in the little bit younger guys. But, you know, I agree with your overall take as well. I mean, this may be a, you know, take it out on Jimbo if he has the opportunity.
2: I absolutely agree. And so here's the thing if you're looking at the history of, uh, of this game. Texas A&M is 0 and 12 straight up and 5-6-1 against the spread as an underdog. So if you're going to bet Texas a and I absolutely would not take them on the money line because they haven't done it as an underdog in the past four years. They just don't do it. Texas A&M was supposed to have an explosive offense with Kellen Mine returning at quarterback. Yet last week, as Ben mentioned, they only scored 17 points against a terrible Vanderbilt team. and Most of their offense last week actually came on the ground um they were far better in yards per rush than they were yards per pass it, they were also super undisciplined and this is i i've got a theme this week it's going to be on undisciplined teams and betting against them a m had eight penalties last week for 50 yards, and they had three turnovers. That doesn't get it done against Vanderbilt. It's certainly not going to get done against Alabama. If they can't correct the mistakes, Alabama's going to have a field day with them. Now, Alabama did not cover last week. They got a 28-3 lead at the end of the half, and they just coasted to the rest of the game, as we've mentioned. They would have covered the spread last week if not for the last play Missouri touchdown, so they were right there at it. Mac Jones, 18 for 24. Bryce Young, I think, showed some promise. I still believe that if Mac Jones, middle of the year, you feel like this offense is not humming like you want it to, Bryce Young is the answer. He just needs a few more snaps. And I feel like, too, what you saw last week was Nick Saban kind of setting the tone for that of we're going to bring Bryce Bryce Young in. We're going to let him get a lot of in-game snaps to build up his experience a little bit. I would stay away from this game because 17 points is, just a huge number and the series against the spread is tied four and four in the last eight matches I also do think Texas A&M's offense because it's Jimbo because it's Kellen Mond they figure out the offense eventually but is that this week is it six weeks when does that happen I'm going to take Alabama to cover the 17 points but I'm really cautious about it 38 20 give me Alabama in this one. Second game let's go to Georgia and Auburn um, the line here, this shocked me, the line is <laughs> UGA minus four and a half, and the over-under really low, Vegas is telling me this is going to be a very defensive battle, 43. So, Ben, first, why in the heck are the Bulldogs favorite in this game? After last week, I would think this would be Alabama day, or Auburn all day.
1: Yeah, uh, very, very interesting, and I don't know what Vegas is trying to tell us, because... Uh, it just looks like an easy way to make money on this game. Um, look, right now you can get Auburn plus seven. Are you kidding? Wait. Uh, whoa.
2: That's a big number.
1: Yeah. I got I got in uh, on Monday, Auburn plus seven at 105.
2: Like, Wow. <laughs> I'm
1: making some serious money this week. So, um, look, here we go. Uh, Georgia last week, if you watched that game, which I definitely did because uh, it's always good to scope out your enemy uh, – they started, and here was the biggest thing. It was like, who who was Georgia going to start at quarterback? Because that was the biggest question coming in. Uh, Dwan Mathis started. He went 47% for 55 yards and an interception in the first half before getting pulled. And uh, having Stenson Bennett come in, who actually did fairly well, 69%, 211 yards, two touchdowns, and ran for 20 yards. So, look, uh, the first half, they looked like the worst team. They, they looked like the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they looked really bad, and uh, I think it ended 5-7. Um, to seven. I, I think it's where uh, where halftime was. Very, very interesting um, that Georgia couldn't put it together, especially with their uh, their run game and not even having that as really part of it. Um, look, Zemir White looked great, and George Pickens is one of the best wide receivers in the SEC. They didn't really utilize him until really late in the game, and uh, even then, not enough. So Auburn's going to have their, uh, their work cut out for them with those guys. And here's the real crazy kicker is Georgia still doesn't know their starter. They haven't named them because JT Daniels, coming from USC uh, after a Achilles uh, injury in 2018 or 2019, is now over at Georgia. Uh, in 2018, he did very well. 59.5%, 2,672 yards, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's, a, he's got a really deep arm. So if Auburn has to defend that, um, you saw Kentucky try to throw some deep balls last week and uh, got some interceptions. So, look, uh, it, it'll be an interesting kind of matchup when it comes down to who's going to lead that team on their offense. They got it done in the second half, but... They were also playing uh, the worst team in the SEC, besides maybe Vandy, with Arkansas. Uh, So 37-10 was their score last week. It's going to be really interesting to see what type of Georgia team actually shows up. On the Auburn side, uh, Auburn got off to a slow start, but produced. um, Beat Kentucky handedly, and that was my pick of the week last week. Uh, Actually, CJ, we both called the score pretty close. Um, It was 29-13. I had it two points above. You had it two points below. I think this week coming out, uh, definitely picking Auburn for the points. And actually, I think Auburn wins this game. I think it will be close, but I'm actually thinking that it's going to be pretty high scoring because of the way that these teams are packed when it comes to the offensive side. So I've got it 31-27 going over.
2: So you've got thirty-one. You've got thirty-one twenty-seven going over. Um, real quick, before I get to the other Ben here, Ben Moore, um, it, Ben. Ben just mentioned that the this line has actually moved to seven in some places, and I'm sitting here looking at Bavada, and indeed, it- this line shows Auburn plus seven. Now, the interesting thing about this is the money line is only plus two hundred five, meaning you bet a dollar, you win two dollars and five cents. Typically, whenever you have a team favored by seven or more, the money line is typically plus three hundred, plus four hundred. So, the fact that we have a seven point line in a money line that's only paying twice what you invest that's it, Vegas is telling you they they like Georgia by 7 for some reason but they don't feel super confident in it because they don't want to pay out on that money line i also think that means typically whenever you have a situation like this there, there's a good chance that you could bet the over because Vegas is telling you there's going to be a lot of scoring in the fourth quarter. That's where they think the gist of the scoring is, and that's typically where you get the larger point spread. So I think just looking at the numbers game of this, and this is why we say bet numbers, don't bet teams. If you look at the numbers part of this, this is a really interesting game. Ben Moore, your thoughts on this one?
0: yeah uh it it, it, as you mentioned i mean it was ugly offensively one of the worst halves and i did Watched a significant portion of that game as well. Was interested to see, like you guys said, who was going to be the starter. Um, how Dewan Mathis actually looked. Uh, because the rumors coming out of Athens basically were, you know, DeJuan Mathis looked so good um, in fall camp that he was actually pushing to be the starter over Jamie Newman. And one of the reasons, if you believe some of the whispers that were coming out of there, one of the reasons why Jamie Newman opted out to protect his own stock. Because how embarrassing would that be? being you know talked about and bannered about as a potential draft pick uh in the first three rounds coming from wake forest as a graduate transfer not even to be the starter in your opening game so he he bows out uh DeJuan mathis gets the start as you mentioned jt daniels not still not cleared as far as everyone knows and he's got to go through a series of tests even to get cleared for this weekend and while you mentioned he has a great arm my question is um how him as is he we know certainly auburn's front seven is always strong uh, always tough, basically uh, against the run, and, and certainly could put some pressure on that. And uh, as we saw, DeJuan Mathis can move around a little bit. Even to some Bennett showed a little athleticism on Saturday. So uh, going to be interesting to see what the actual quarterback rotation is, and uh, you know how quick you know the uh, the trigger is if if whoever that quarterback is struggles. You know, I, I hadn't really seen Kirby Smart pull the pull the reins back, um, you know, that quickly. In, uh, in his time at Georgia, but he does have an elite defense, and that's the biggest thing that I think uh, will keep this game close. You know, they—they—I they, think it's the South's oldest rivalry, is what they what they argue yeah. uh, and, and, and yeah. advertised it as. Um, they've played for what seems like for for 150 years, um, but uh, no, the, the the Georgia defense is elite. Um, they have playmakers on all three levels, and uh, it's one of those situations too where you know Auburn's going to want to go the you know the warp speed offense going to be very interesting to see if certainly things fizzle out uh, against that Georgia front seven uh, to see if it's sustainable.
2: You know, I think you're absolutely right. Georgia does have an elite defense. Um, the, the, and I think Auburn's got a good defense here as well, too. It, both of these teams, though, came out of the gate last week really stumbling. Auburn was actually outgained by Kentucky last week by 60 yards And they struggled to run the ball. They also were undisciplined, which we've seen Gus Melzon early on in the season. Big games on the road, they can get undisciplined. Um, We're at home, rather. Seven penalties, 55 yards, and they had a missed fourth down conversion. Luckily, the defense forced three turnovers, and Bo Nicks tossed three touchdowns, which made up for it. And that's why Georgia ended up winning, or Auburn ended up winning. Georgia may have beat Arkansas. But they looked really bad at times last week, especially in offense. They don't have a quarterback. And JT Daniels, supposedly in the mix to start this week, it, there's been rumors. I, I, I mean, I saw like the Georgia crazies saying that, oh, Kirby sort was just saving JT Daniels last week because so he didn't want to give Auburn any film. Yeah, I, I think in a time like this, this would be a little crazy for them to do do something like that. But that still doesn't change the fact, even if it's true. Georgia couldn't run the ball last week. 2.9 yards per carry and a fumble. They also were incredibly undisciplined. 12 penalties, 108 yards. I liked Auburn to start the season. I liked them to win last week. And Georgia, I told you, would take a step back. And they looked worse last week against Arkansas than I predicted. Also, I don't buy JT Daniels. I watched him at USC He's he's talented, but he makes a lot of bad mistakes more so than Sam Darnold. And I don't think that he is the savior of the offense. I think this would be fine if the rest of the offense was clicking and it wasn't last week. If they can't run against Arkansas... How are they going to run against Auburn? That I don't buy. So I'm taking Auburn to win straight up. I love the straight up pick here. It's going to be a low scoring 17-13 battle. Um, I would have when I was prepping. I I wanted to take the under here. I still like the under, but I loved it earlier. The reason I'm feeling a little bit... Um, I'm not feeling as great about it now is just because I see that money line being where it is and the line has moved to Georgia minus seven and the money line doesn't seem to have really shifted with that move, which tells me there's some reason to believe that the over may actually be the play here, so I would probably stay away from it. All right, let's go over to our mid-major game of the week. The Pirates of East Carolina, um, coached by the former James Madison coach, Mike Young. They will play Georgia State this week. The line here, almost even. line is Georgia State, minus one, and the over-under, 69. Nice. All right, Ben, (laughs) take it away. Tell me what you think about this East Carolina-Georgia State game.
1: Yeah, so uh, I watched the Georgia State game against uh, Louisiana or formerly Louisiana Lafayette as well. And toe-to-toe with a fantastic Louisiana Lafayette team. Uh, Going down to the wire with that thing I thought was very impressive. Um, Look, Georgia State is also stacked. They returned 16 starters this year, 8 on offense, 8 on defense. So the team is very similar to what they were last year, and that's proven along with uh, kind of their gains. Uh, They average 31 points per game Last year, they had 31 points against Louisiana, and uh, it's a it's a solid team. Look, Con- Cornelius Brown played very very well. 56.4 uh, percent, 196 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Ran for 64 yards. Uh, Dustin Coates, he also ran for 150, 4.4 yards per carry, and one touchdown. Uh, I think it's a good team. ECU is also pretty good, though. So looking at them, um, they uh, they lost their first game, but they uh, still produced very well, had 459 yards in the game. Uh, Holton Athers is their, uh, I think that's how you say his last name, their quarterback, uh, 48.3%, 215 yards, three touchdowns, and a interception. Um, they have 12 starters, too, so the team looks pretty, pretty similar. And the crazy thing is, is the line on this. So I've been watching it this week. I got in at, at a minus one for Georgia State, and I saw it go all the way up to uh, minus two and a half, I believe. It was wow. yesterday. And then it came back down again. So people are picking and they're moving, and uh, it's an interesting interesting game here. I think there will be a lot of points, but I don't think it will go over. Georgia State, I believe, is the better team. And I think because of that, they will win 31-28.
2: Wow, so close game. 31-28 pick from Ben has Georgia State winning and covering. Um, All right, over to Ben Moore. This one's your forte. This is your alma mater. Uh, Tell me how you see this game going down.
0: Yeah, big biggest thing as you as you mentioned, uh, you know that Cornelius Brown the fourth, uh, nicknamed Quad for that him being the fourth. Uh, there is uh, it is that was he's making his first career start uh, last uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, against Louisiana. Now this is start number two, and uh, as we see. Uh, You know, the the old quote that the best thing about freshmen, they become sophomore. Well, we won't won't move them to sophomore quite yet. But you see game one to game two progression, uh, getting more comfortable, being able to evaluate the film. Uh, And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you know, Georgia State will be boosted uh, possibly.
2: Ben Moore, we did we lose you there? Not sure what happened to Ben Moore. Um, man, we picked a bad game for him to go away. Um, I know. <laughs> let's see if we can't get him back on. Uh, while, while we're trying to get him back on, um, I'll go ahead and tell you. I'll go ahead and give you guys my pick. Um, I'm going to try and get in touch with Ben uh, Moore here while we're doing that. Um, Let's see. Let me give him a message here. All right. And then, you know, I I look at this game and Cornelius Brown, um, game two for him as well. Let's talk about East Carolina real quick while we're waiting for Ben. East Carolina played Central Florida last week and just got torched 51-28. If you look at the stats, you think that was a really offensive game. And part of that's true. But the problem is, is that game, there was a combined... 245 yards and penalties between the two teams and East Carolina turned it over four times. Three of those turnovers were lost fumbles. The one stat that is never consistent regardless of who the team is is fumbles. Um so I don't think East Carolina's defense is as bad as what they looked like last week and let's keep in mind That they were defending Dylan Gabriel, who I think might be the fourth best quarterback in the country. On the other hand, Holton Allers has to do a better job of managing the game and playing efficiently. Completing under 50% isn't going to win a lot of games. Georgia State, meanwhile, went toe to toe with that Louisiana squad that Ben and I predicted would beat Iowa State a few years ago or a few weeks ago. Last week, they were supposed to play Charlotte. The game was canceled, like we talked about earlier, to those positive COVID tests. This is an experienced team. They returned 16 starters from a year ago. They bring in a quarterback that I really, really like. And they played a good game against a good team. And they're ticked off because they lost and their game was canceled last week. I like Georgia State. I like him to win a, by a lot. I would stay away from the over Give me the Panthers, 38-23. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Ben Moore real quick because we did lose him there earlier. So, Ben, can you kind of recap again for us here your thoughts on this Georgia State-East Carolina game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, so, basically, uh, you, know, you have a you have a ton of uh, returning uh, you know, starters, basically on the offensive line, a ton of uh, experience in the front seven. Uh, Dorsey actually started two freshmen um, on the defensive side of the ball, one at defensive line and at safety. Uh, so they're they're young and they're old at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, and uh, but no, they're, they're definitely chomping at the bit to get, um, you know, get a home victory. And they were very good at home last season, going five and one, only losing to App State. Um, there, uh, who, who I believe was ranked top 25 uh, when they lost to him. So um, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where they want to run the ball. Um, they, they were very successful at Tennessee last year, uh, I think put up over 50, 51 or 52 rushing attempts. Uh, those rushing attempts were up way up there in the, in the 50s again against Louisiana. That's kind of the bread and butter. Uh, they want to take the pressure off Cornelius Brown, the fourth, uh, nicknamed Quad. Um, there, uh, so it's it's going to be interesting to see the progression from week one to week two uh, in in his you know kind of maturation as a starting quarterback, um, and uh, you know you have uh, a couple more weapons that should be back as well with Seth Page, um, the uh, second leading rusher uh, last season, who uh, it was coming off an offseason surgery, he is expected to be a game time decision, kind of that thunder and lightning kind of guy uh, there for
2: we lose him again. Oh, no. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, we're going to try and get Ben Moore back on. Um, let, let's see here. I'm sorry about that. Uh, let me send him a text.
1: Yeah, we usually go on break right now anyway, so it uh, seems like we can get him back right after.
2: Yeah, let, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to bring Ben Moore right back on. This is Full Press Coverage line. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back Moneyline. Thank you guys for being with us. We're still working on getting Ben Moore back on um, to the podcast. Uh, He was on earlier joining us to talk about um, Georgia State, their game with East Carolina that's coming up here this weekend. Um, We will try and get him back. I'm not really sure what happened there um, with the call. Um, but uh, getting a notice here is he's unavailable. So I'm thinking maybe his phone or computer must have died on him. I'm um, not sure but we're going to try and get him back on here in just a little bit. So let's move on to our next game and we will head over to the big 12 now. And Ben and I have had a stretch first three weeks of the season where we kept trying to add a big 12 game to <laughs> our, uh, to the podcast and we kept canceling them. So we've got two on the slate this weekend Listen, Big 12 fans, I'm sorry in advance if we cancel your game. Ben King, West Virginia, Baylor, tell me what you see in this one.
1: Well, real quick, I don't think we're the ones that canceled them. It was coronavirus, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, we, I had Baylor multiple times, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we finally get to talk about them because uh, I like this Baylor team, man. So uh, here's, here's an interesting thing, and and I know I'm, I'm all numbers when it comes to this, but I also have some feels. So uh, I, I actually like West Virginia because back in the day in the Big East, they would beat Virginia Tech. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Pat McAfee came from West Virginia. Actually, he was on the team that beat my Auburn Tigers my freshman year in uh, 08 when Auburn sucked. So, um, look, West Virginia is a fun team. This Baylor team is fun as well. So it's a good Big 12 game. The line is interesting, uh, minus three for Baylor, so they think it's going to be close. Um, I'm not so sure. So let's dig it, dig into it. Uh, on the West Virginia side, you got 14 starters coming back, eight on offense, six on defense. Uh, so far, it looked pretty good. Uh, 35 to 19, 624 yards to 206. They of course played a cream puff starting off. So if you look at last year, their uh, 2019 numbers. They scored 21-4, 29 against, 322 yards for 399 against. So uh, right there, that just shows me that this team, while solid, is not really up to the way the Big 12 plays. Uh, if you look at Jarrett, I want to say his last name is Doge, and I'm going to say it because it's hilarious. Probably not. <laughs> That's their quarterback. He was 62.9%, 513 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions in their first game. That's really solid numbers. They have two good running backs, two good wide receivers. I think they can put up some points, but when you look at this Baylor team, what are they missing, right? So they have... Uh, nine returning starters, seven on offense, two on defense. They hired Dave Aranda, and if you watched that LSU game last week, you realize that they missed that man like crazy. Baylor needs some defense because, honestly, last year, that was the only thing they were missing. They couldn't stop Oklahoma when it came down to it, and they lost to him twice because of it. So I think Dave Aranda coming in with a pretty powerful offense, a lot of returning starters. Charlie Brewer, as their uh, starting quarterback, had a really good starting game. Um, they've just been able to still produce uh, scores, and uh, along with uh, their top running back, John Corrit and Tristan Ebner, look, Baylor's going to come in, and I think they are going to win, they are going to cover, and the score will go over 35-20.
2: So Ben's got 3520 and it just hit me so far Ben and I have not disagreed which is uh going to be interesting if that trend continues today. Um hey, I'm normally we disagree few week, times.
1: <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it's 100% here. We go. I, I think 5
2: and 0 every single week. So um <laughs> it, you know so here's the line the the line here is Baylor minus 3 um and the over under 53 and a half. Baylor crushed Kansas in their opening game, 47-14, but they also had a 20 play drive for 60 yards that ended in a field goal. How depressing is that? Like that would <laughs> that would sadden me. like the only worst thing would be if the field goal was missed or if it somehow ended in a punt. Um, the crazy thing about this game is that Baylor outgained Kansas by just 24 yards on that one. So why did they win by 33? They had two kick return for touchdowns by Tristan Ebner. So the question is, is if if Vegas is looking at what they did against Kansas and knowing that people are just gonna look at that box score and they're gonna see that they're gonna think about Baylor has a ton of value, does Vegas know that the real reason they won that game was because Tristan Ebner on special teams just went absolutely off? And can you rely on that on a week-to-week basis? Now, West Virginia, meanwhile, went to Oklahoma State and lost 27-13. Not bad, considering Oklahoma State's supposed to be one of the best teams in the country. It was a one-possession game in the fourth, so it was even a close game there. The 27-13 score is not indicative of how close that game was there at the end. They even outgained Oklahoma State in the loss. What concerns me is... Is they only had sixty-eight rushing yards on the ground. Sixty-eight rushing yards. Now you're saying, okay, well, they must have thrown the ball a lot if they lost. Nope. They had forty-two rushing attempts. So they ran the ball forty-two times and ran for sixty-eight yards. Now, I I, I, I don't mean to question coaches. I don't feel like I'm smarter, but I feel like after the twentieth time of going for one and a half yards of running, I probably would have been I probably would have said, you know what? Let's trust our quarterback with this one. But, you know, that's what they did. Here's the thing, though. If they are running the ball and not moving it, that tells me they're scared to throw. I don't like that. I don't think Baylor is a great team. But Dave Aranda is going to sniff out whatever issues this offense has. And I like Baylor to win this one 30-17 and cover the three and a half. Um, Or the three points there. All right. Um, and then let's move on to our last game here Oklahoma versus Iowa State. The line here is Oklahoma minus seven, and the over under is 62.5. Ben, Oklahoma, last week they lost to Kansas State for the second year in a row. Iowa State had that loss to Louisiana earlier in the season. They rebounded last week and beat TCU. So both of these teams come into this game with a really ugly loss and looking to bounce back from it. Tell me about this one.
1: Yeah, so uh, look, Iowa State we saw as a potential you know, underdog to win the Big 12 early on. But we both also called that loss to Louisiana, so I like that there. And honestly, we didn't see Oklahoma losing a game this season, so to choke it up for a second year in a row against Kansas State has got to be infuriating for Lincoln Riley and his team. So here's the thing. OU is now do or die, right? And I think that team, after a heartbreaking loss, is going to come out on fire. So let's look at the numbers. You'll look at Iowa State. We've already gone over a game for theirs. 13 returning starters, 5 on offense, 8 on defense. Really good team. Uh, They've been able to score and move the ball. Brock Purdy is a solid quarterback at 58.6%. 356 yards, 1 touchdown, 1 interception, and ran for 41 Uh, They also have Bryce Hall, who's a really solid running back. 250 yards on the year, 6.8 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. Um, Look, Matt Campbell and his staff over at Iowa State have a good team. Will they be able to take on Oklahoma? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Oklahoma, returning starter 16, eight on offense, 8 on defense. They have Spencer Rattler, who, even in a loss, was incredible uh 75.9 percent on the year that's insanely efficient 677 yards eight touchdowns three interceptions uh they also have just a crap ton of talent on this team um look i've got uh marvin men's with three touchdowns on the year uh charleston rambo and i had to mention his name because i thought that was incredible uh charleston rambo insane two touchdowns on the year uh drake stoops even got a touchdown look at that and uh seth mcgown uh 134 yards rushing 6.1 yards per carry two touchdowns this team is stacked they shouldn't have lost last week but they did and now it's do or die so i think oklahoma comes in they come in on fire uh they kind of blow the doors off the place 42 27 they win they cover score goes over
2: Wow so 4227 um, you know Oklahoma with their game against Kansas State last week the defense was absolutely abysmal. they surrendered 13.4 yards per pass to Kansas State. And to me, the problem with that is is if you've got a lead and you're trying to protect that lead and you're surrendering that many yards per pass, you're just going to get into shootouts with everybody. I think you can look at this over-under here and you know Spencer Rattler's good and you know this defense isn't good. The over-under, I feel like, is going to be a safe bet taking the over for a while. Um Now, Spencer Rattler looked great last week, but he also threw three interceptions, including one on the final drive, as they were trying to win that game. That is something that Kyler Murray didn't necessarily do, and it's something Baker Mayfield didn't necessarily do. So, I mean, the thing is, is if if Spencer Rattler, if he is the guy you got to be better in key moments when your team needs you. Iowa State, meanwhile, they rebounded from their loss to Louisiana. They went to Texas Christian to Fort Worth and picked up a 37-34 win. By the way, TCU, Big 12, Texas, they're allowing fans in the stands. So a road win against TCU... That's a real win. 9.2 yards per pass, 7.6 yards per rush. Now, I bring that up in just about every game, but I think it's even more key here because who is the premier defense in the Big 12? TCU. Always, they have the best defense. And Iowa State went to TCU and put up those numbers. That's a big number. I think this offense can be really efficient when they need to be. I think we're getting a really, really talented Oklahoma team that's pissed off. And that's where a lot of people want to put their money. But they're playing an Iowa State team that's starting to feel good again. So normally that is a recipe for put your money in Oklahoma. If Spencer Rattler can just cut down on the turnovers... Oklahoma shouldn't have a tr- shouldn't have trouble winning this game. The problem though, I'm not going to bet against a talented home underdog, especially by 7 points. So this to me is about the number, not necessarily the teams. I think Oklahoma wins, but I'm taking Iowa State to cover the 7 point <laughs> spread. Give me the Sooners 41-35 and I am all about that over. All Love about it. The over.
1: Yeah, same. Hey. There's so, our one
2: disagreement for the week.
1: <laughs> there it is. One of us is going hundred percent. It's gonna be me. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, so what's your lock of the week?
2: My my lock of the week, um you know, I gotta tell you, I feel really good. I feel good about Auburn. I think I probably feel better about Georgia State covering against ECU, and it's not just because we lost Ben Moore earlier. Uh, this isn't a consolation to him. I, I honestly, I look at Georgia State. I look at East Carolina. I just feel like East Carolina is still such a big rebuild. I don't think they're as bad defensively as they showed last week, but I think Georgia State's a really, really good football team, and you take a game away from them like that last week after a good game against Louisiana, they're going to be super motivated. So I love Georgia State. That's my lock of the week as they cover the one point.
1: I love it, and I appreciate you leaving me the Tigers because War Eagle, baby, Auburn is my lock of the week for a second week in the row. The reason being is the team and the staff. Look, Kevin Steele, the way that that defense performed in the second half after being able to make adjustments, they allowed eight uh, third-down conversions in the first half, only allowed four in the second half half—a 30%, and definitely took over the game with the adjustments made at halftime. I think the same thing is going to have to happen against a UGA team who really has no identity right now. We don't know what we're going to be able to see from them and uh, look for this Auburn offense to continue to thrive in these games. Seth Williams had two touchdowns last week. Looked incredible. High pointed the ball twice. Uh, Anthony Schwartz had some solid yardage. Fastest man in college football. Eli Stove had a touchdown late in the game. The three headed monster for running back is going to come onto the field Look, Auburn played a very tough defense in Kentucky last week and was able to win the game 29-13. So look at this on Lock of the Week for me.
2: Yeah, I just, I mean, the thing is, is if you're going to take Auburn to cover a seven-point spread, and I mean, here, you know, the line I had was four and a half. Now, four and a half, it, honestly, if you wanted to give me an Auburn, a Georgia argument, I would take it. But a seven-point spread, I mean, you're basically saying, like, I feel so good about Georgia, they're going to win by eight points or more. The, the thing I like about taking Auburn here is Georgia could win, control this game, and let's say it's 27-20. Well, then it's a push and I get my money back. So as long as it's not worse than Auburn losing by seven points to a Georgia team that failed to put away Arkansas until late last week, I'm going to get my money back to, to me. The the reason why I consider this for my lack of the week is I feel like this is my safest bet of the week that I feel like I could put money on them covering. And I, I really don't think I would lose it. Um, Georgia state, I feel really, really good about them beating East Carolina and beating them big too. I think Georgia state's a really, really talented football team. Um, and one of the better uh, group of five teams that we've seen this year. um, All right, Ben, any closing thoughts here?
1: Hey, I just wanted to thank Ben for coming on. Um, Really appreciate the analysis, which we could have heard the remainder of Georgia State. But I love what he's doing and uh, excited to have him on. Thank you, man
2: yeah so please go and follow Ben Moore at Ben Moore 24/7 I appreciated him coming on too kind of sharing what was going on with Georgia State earlier in the week with that cancelled game against Charlotte uh, listen 24/7 sports as we mentioned earlier that is the premier place to go for recruiting news and all of that stuff that's where I go to look at you know recruiting rankings and things of that nature they do great 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 stuff Ben is a part of that process so please go follow Ben Moore at Ben Moore 20 24- 24 seven we're gonna bring them on again we're gonna have to we can't just be cut short like that we are gonna have to bring them on lastly Definitely. guys on your smartphone right now i want you to do two things first thing i want you to do is to download the full press coverage app you guys need this app in your life listen nfl sports is happening we've got nba happening we've got major league baseball playoffs happening i mean like there is so many sports happening And you guys need to be able to follow your your favorite team. Download the app. You can do it also. Sportscaster.com is a place where you can go and watch full press coverage live in the morning. They're going to kick off tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning. So make sure you go to Sportscaster. You can watch them there. And then lastly, I'm going to ask you all to do one big favor. Because you got your smartphone out. Now, of course, you're not doing this while you're driving. And if you are, I'm not responsible for your ticket. We'll leave that to Ben. Um, no, no, nope. no,
1: pull over, <laughs> pull over, go to food lion parking lot while you're there, get some tasty chips.
2: The, and, you uh, as
1: you're walking into the store, tell the, them what they need to do.
2: Yeah. So listen, first of all, I do get the chips in the bakery because food lions, tortilla chips in the bakery are the most <laughs> amazing chips. I've, I had, we, we had three bags in our house this weekend. They're now gone. Um, so go get those chips. Um, all right, while you're on your smartphone, back to our original point here. This is all over the place. Guys, I want you to subscribe to the Moneyline podcast. It's in the podcast app. Subscribe to it and then give us a five star review. Let us know that you love us. If you hate us, don't let us know that. We don't want to know that. Actually, I kind of do. Please go like <laughs> hate on me at Twitter because like I love getting hate mail. Like I almost thrive on it. So if you really think we suck, give us a one star review. If you think we're awesome, give us a five star review. I know in 2020, None of you guys are going to be in between. You either love stuff or you hate it. So let me know what you think about us. Give us a review. It goes a long way. Thank you for joining us. Good luck with your bets this week. This is Moneyline. 10, 15, 20,
1: 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to oh run it all the way back. Albert's going to win the football game. Albert's going to win the football game. Man, I feel like.